0: I'm Jessica Randolph, and welcome to the How to Buy a House podcast, where we empower you to invest in real estate and start building wealth for yourself. It's the biggest purchase of your life, and we're going to teach you how to do it right. Your host, Jessica Randolph, is an HGTV designer, a top realtor for over 10 years, winner of the National Association of Realtors 30 Under 30 Award, Rookie of the Year, number 11 realtor on social media in Tennessee, and most importantly, the founder of the How to Buy a House class. Jessica, take it away. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. We are going to be giving you an overview of the home buying process. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, aren't we always talking about the home buying process? Yes, that's true. And we love diving deep into individual topics about the home buying journey. But for those of you listening that are just dipping your toes in the idea of buying a home, this episode is for you. We're going to go over the bird's eye view of the home buying process and stick to the basic steps of the journey. So getting pre-approved, looking at homes, and what happens up until you get to move into your new house. And we've got one of the most incredible realtors with us today, Lindsay Jacobs. Lindsay is a top producer in the St. Louis area and has literally been in real estate since she was a child. Um, She's been working alongside her mom um, literally as a kid and when she was 16 got serious about it and then she got her real estate license right when she turned 19 and she just celebrated her 20th anniversary of being an agent. She's been a top team leader in St. Louis for over 15 years and averages around 50 million in sales every year. That's around 125 houses, y'all. So to say the very least, Lindsay knows her stuff and we're so honored to have her as a part of our How to Buy a House network. And if you're in the St. Louis area, you can definitely attend one of Lindsay's in-person classes and reach out to her directly. Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show with us today.
1: Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here.
0: Amazing. So, Lindsay, before we get started into today's topic, which we're going to be talking about all of the fears that homeowners have and myths about the home buying process, and we're going to break it down and make it super easy to digest today. But before we talk about that, introduce yourself to us. Who are you? Why did you get into real estate? What are you passionate about? We just want to get to know you a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So, like you said, Lindsay Jacobs, I actually started in real estate when I was 16 years old, which is crazy. I'm 40 now, so it's been quite a while. But I started working with my mom as a summer job. So she got her license in 1987. So that was just kind of a natural progression for me to start working with her in the summers. And I would do like the signs, the marketing, just kind of all the running and back end work when I was younger. And yeah, so not that I thought that I would do real estate forever at that point, but I enjoyed it, and it was it was a fun summer job. And then, when I was in college at the University of Kansas, when I was nineteen, my mom called me one morning and was like, "Hey, do you want to do this full-time when you graduate because I'm gonna be getting a billboard and a moving truck, and I'll put you on all the advertising so that when you graduate, you will have all the recognition. And people will, you know, not look at you like you're a child because I was a child.
0: I mean, I had braces when I was 16. I was like trying to figure out how to put on mascara. And here you are like slinging real estate signs (laughs) and learning how to do deals.
1: Yeah. My friends like were, you know, hostesses at restaurants. And I was literally selling houses in the summers of college. Unbelievable. Yes. So I got my license at 19 when I was a junior. And then when I graduated, 2005 became full-time.
0: And so when do you feel like you became your own? Because obviously you're working for your mom, but did you find that you truly had a passion for it as well? And you weren't just riding on her coattails? Like, did you just fell in
1: love with the process? Yeah, I did. And even from the beginning, I mean, I knew that I loved it even when I was younger. Every day was different. It was just thing something about it was just fun. Working with different people all the time different personalities was you know interesting some days (laughs) more than others but but no I think just the fact that like you're kind of in sales but you're also selling yourself you get to work with people I love the marketing so I ended up getting my degree in marketing and advertising Kansas University so that was super helpful too because I do a lot of our marketing now too on the team which has been great that's awesome Okay, tell us
0: about St. Louis. So you grew up in St. Louis. I did. Awesome. And tell us about the market there. What is it like? As a first-time homebuyer or a second-time homebuyer, what's the market like in St.
1: Louis? Yeah, so we have always been a very affordable market, which is wonderful for first-time homebuyers. I mean, we have clients who can get a house at $100,000 in some areas of St. Louis, which I know my sister is a real estate agent in Austin, Texas, and like their market's insane. So for her first-time homebuyers to get in there, it's, you know, it's pricey. But here, I would say on average, the first time home buyer range is in that 200000 250000 and under for the most part, depending on location, like where they want to live, if they want to be in the city, in a townhouse, if they want more land. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of factors that play into that. But overall, St. Louis is always ranked throughout the country on the high, very affordable cities to live in.
0: Wow, that's so encouraging. Yeah, here in Nashville, I feel like the starting price point is right around 350, even sometimes closer to 450. And our Austin teachers, Kristen and Lindsay, we were just chatting with them last week and their price point is closer to like $600,000 for first time home buyers. So wow, St. Louis sounds like the place to be.
1: It is, it is. We have out of town investors calling us all the time too because they realize how reasonable our market is and they wanna get in, so that's nice.
0: And you guys have a lot of history came to St. Louis for, a I spoke at like a real estate conference and they took me in a limo and toured me all around the historic neighborhoods of St. Louis and that one really beautiful park. Is it Forest
1: Park? Yes, Forest Park. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's like the most charming little town with like these beautiful brick historic homes. And I, I think my face was glued to the window the whole time because it was just so beautiful.
1: So the history behind that The 1904 World's Fair was in St. Louis, and they built that row of houses that faces Forest Park for all the dignitaries and people that came in town for the World's Fair. So they're all just absolutely amazing, the detail. It's really cool seeing the architecture and the history. And those, as you go from like downtown St. Louis out further west, you can kind of see the history and the architecture as it changes, as people kind of expanded and moved west.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Very jealous. Nashville doesn't have that much historic architecture. We were like such a small, tiny little town that grew into a big city. Like Nashville was never supposed to be this big. So we just don't have the infrastructure for all the people that have moved here. And we don't have a lot of history because of that. It was like a lot of farming areas and very rural for a long time.
1: Yeah, that is, we have a lot of it in St. Louis too. And we're divided by two rivers. So downtown St. Louis, when you go over the river, you're in Illinois. And then as you go west, when you cross the next river, that's St. Charles County. And like years ago, when I first got into real estate, St. Charles was kind of considered like more, farm and rural and just very affordable. And now, I mean, it's become so suburban. And that was where first-time homebuyers, I mean, you could get a really great deal on an awesome house with some property there. And really, the more you move west away from downtown, it kind of becomes more affordable.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into our topic today, which in a nutshell, I would say, is the reason why we created this podcast. We wanted people to be able to understand the home buying process and be able to feel confident that they can own a home. And whether you're ten years old or almost one hundred years old, it's not too late for you, and it's not too early to start learning. And home ownership is for everybody. So, Lindsay, I would love to break down the process today with you. And for anybody that's listening that you know you're trying to take notes or learn as much as you can, this episode is definitely for you. So let's go ahead and pretend that we, Lindsay, are first-time homebuyers. What are some fears that you have or maybe that your homeowners that you've worked with have had about buying a house and kind of like what I would say you see is pretty typical?
1: I think a lot of people worry about like timing. So they wonder, should I talk to a lender now if I'm not fully ready? A lot of first time home buyers, they're either renting or maybe living with family members at their parents' house. So I think for them, it's a matter of like, how much do I need for a down payment? What's my monthly payment going to be? So I think a lot of it is focused around that, but then also like credit score. And that's kind of an unknown. I mean, how many people check their credit, you know, before they are in the process of buying a house? So my biggest thing and what I love to do with buyers is sit down and meet with them early, because there is so much that goes into the whole process that they need the education and just the background on the whole big picture. Because I think if you have an idea of what to expect, what's going to be happening, it kind of helps eliminate those fears and really helps the buyer to kind of feel like they understand the process and are comfortable with it so i think the education is the biggest part of it and there's no too soon i think a lot of times buyers are like oh you know i'll call you next year or in two years i'm not ready yet but i would so much rather have that conversation early on so that i can help guide them and say okay talk to the lender now there's it's free it's not going to cost you anything other than maybe a little bit of time But if there are issues with credit or debt to income ratios, student loans, those are all things that come into play when buying a house. And if you talk to a lender early enough, you can kind of figure out ways to navigate and go down the right path to get to the end goal, which is buying a house. 100%. I totally agree with that. I think timing, a lot of people are like,
0: oh, I'll buy a house once I'm married or I'll buy a house once I, you know, know I'm going to stay in a city long enough or once I get this other job. And I think what you said is so true that it's never too early to at least have that conversation. And like us, we have these classes all over the country. You can go and take a class in person. You can, you know, learn from the experts what the process is like in your city. But even more than that, like that's why this podcast is here. And You don't have to wait until you have a certain amount of savings to have that conversation because it does help you set those goals in advance and thinking like okay this is what i have to have ready so that when i'm ready to buy i know i'm ready
1: yeah and i've run into people where they say oh i was told i can't buy a house until i have 20% down or they just think that they need to have 20% down but you know that's a big myth too and if you if you wait until that point you're going to price yourself out and the amount of money that you're spending on rent or you know losing out on not getting in when you Should be able to putting down 5% FHA loans, there's VA loans, there's just so many different financing options that I think a lot of times buyers don't realize. That's what
0: I thought. When I first got into real estate, I also thought you needed 20% down to buy a house. And I was saving and saving and saving. And quickly I realized you can buy a house with as little as 3% down. And I would say on average, most loans that we close here in Nashville are between 5 and 10%. So I 100% agree with you. Don't wait until you have 20%. Get your foot in the door with a loan officer. Start that pre-approval process and see where you need to be headed and how much you actually do need to be saving because you might be closer to that than you think. And you get to get into the market a little bit earlier when the house you want to buy is only $250,000. And if you wait a couple years now, it might be worth $350,000. So very, very smart. I love that, the timing part of it. It's super important. Okay. So let's say we're buyers, we get pre-approved. Next up is finding a realtor. A lot of people don't know that it's free for you to use a buyer's agent. And that process can be intimidating in itself. If you don't know a realtor already, definitely spend some time Asking friends who have bought homes, asking family members who have bought homes, who do they highly recommend and read their Yelp reviews, look at their website. Are they actually active in the neighborhood that you're looking in? Lindsay, what do you have to say about selecting a realtor? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's important to mesh and just have a good relationship and and, uh, feel like you can trust that person. So a lot of times when we have buyers call us that want to start looking at a house, We will meet with them in person and sit down and we have a buyer consultation that we go over with them and just kind of try to explain the whole process and how it works that they feel comfortable. I mean, that's the most important thing is that the buyer needs to feel comfortable with the agent that they're working with and they need to be a knowledgeable agent. There's nothing wrong with new agents, but, you know, it's also the largest investment that buyers are typically going to make. So having someone represent you who really understands the market and is knowledgeable and can negotiate for you and work in your best interest is going to, you know, be the best opportunity, I think, for for buyers.
0: 100%. Yeah. And I feel like uh, a lot of people are very vigorous in interviewing and vetting their hairdresser. And your hair is something that's free and grows back. Imagine not interviewing and vetting the person that's going to be helping you with the biggest purchase of your life. That is so vital. And I think a lot of people just use whoever their friend recommended, but that person could have gotten their license yesterday and you have no idea. So again, that's why we teach this class. And we have a lot of I have a lot of clients, at least they've reached out to me and they'll say, Hey, I'm looking in this neighborhood and I'll tell them, I would love to work with you, but I am not an expert on that neighborhood. You should use somebody who is active in that area because they might have something that's coming soon on the market that you might be able to be the first person to see it just because they're so active in that part of town. Or maybe they've got a client that they know, Oh my gosh, Susie Longcryer would be perfect the perfect house for you. And she's going to be selling in six months. Let me see if she'd be willing to sell earlier. Like They have connections that some other agent might not have. So definitely using someone who's an expert on the neighborhood you want to buy in is crucial. So after you get reapproved, approved you would then interview and lock down your realtor. And then after that, the search process begins. Lindsay, let's talk about that. So doing showings and and getting set up on the MLS.
1: When we meet with a buyer, it's important to understand what they're looking for, what their goals are. Are you looking to be in a specific school district? Do you want to be close to your job, close to highways? So we really try to like figure out what it, their lifestyle is, what they're looking for, and then narrow down like their search parameters based on that. Because some people don't care. Like They might want to live in the city and then don't really care about neighborhoods, but then there's buyers who are very particular about needing to be in a specific zip code or school district. So I think having that conversation of what's your lifestyle, what are you looking for, what's important to you, and then kind of building their search parameters based around those factors. And then once they talk to the lender, we have the pre-approval established. Not just looking at what their pre-approval like top dollar is. We don't always do that. I like to talk to the lender and the buyer and figure out what payment are you comfortable with. So if they're comfortable with $2,000 a month payment, we need to just double check with the lender and see what price range that puts them at. Because if we're searching up to 300000 and that payment puts them at 2500 we don't want them to fall in love with the house that's over their price range for their monthly payment. A lot of times people look at the price that they're approved to. So I think it's really important to kind of narrow that down too so that you're not getting overly excited about a house that you really aren't comfortable with the payment.
0: It's like, I don't want to go try on Lululemon leggings if I need to be shopping at Target right now. But maybe my Target leggings will appreciate and then I can start buying Lululemon leggings. That's how you need to think about real estate, right? But yes, you're so right. So the search process is super fun. And that's my favorite part. I love walking people through homes. And what I would say, like a tip from me with the search process is don't look at a house for exactly what it is, but look at it with potential. Look at it with glasses of what would this look like once I put my hands on it? Don't focus on the color of the walls or how it smells or the person that's living there right now, their furniture, or how messy they are in their kitchen. Don't look at that. Look at the space. Look at the view outside your windows. How do you like the street? Can you picture yourself sitting down at night in this living room and feeling comfortable? And does the floor plan make sense for your family? And- that's more important. I get a lot of people that walk through homes and the second they walk in the door, if some person has a certain way of decorating, they're like, oh, this house isn't for me. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not for you? It's exactly what you said you needed. Don't don't look at the stuff that can totally be changed within a few hours. And a lot of stuff, you know, people are like, oh, well, I don't know how much that costs. That's what your realtor's here for. Let us do that homework for you. If you're walking through and you're like, you, I love everything, but I hate these Formica countertops." great, I've got an awesome granite guy that could replace those for you in about three days and it will cost about this much. We can get a quote while we're under contract and get it installed before you even move in. And now it's your dream kitchen. So definitely utilize your realtor for any questions you have about your home in general. We're kind of like concierges at a hotel, like anything you need, we're going to figure it out for you because we want this to be a good experience for you and we want to be there to help.
1: So true. I love being a resource for my clients, not just during the process, but after as well. So I have clients call me like literally five years later and they're like, hey, I need a carpet cleaner or I need someone to come out and like fix my blinds. But I love that because I have a list, we have a spreadsheet with vendors, so I don't want them just calling up some random company that's not going to show up or won't do a good job, whether it's during the transaction or or afterwards.
0: Cool. So now we've, we've looked at a few houses. We find one that we like. Next step is making an offer. Lindsay, what are, if you were a homeowner listening to this, what would you like to know about making an offer or a piece of advice of when you get to that stage of what to look out for?
1: Yeah. So when we make an offer, we have, there's a lot of timelines and contingencies that are a part of the contract. So going through it step by step so that the buyer understands the market that we were in the last couple of years, as you know, was pretty crazy. And we were seeing buyers waiving inspections or as is buying houses with no appraisal writer. luckily the market has shifted and we're not seeing that as much we're seeing more normal contracts that we had, you know, quote unquote normal for the last like 15, 20 years that I've been doing this, which is a good thing. I needed to normalize a little bit and get back to it. So so now when a buyer is writing a contract, we look and say, Okay, here's your time frame for inspections. Do you want to include the refrigerator, the washer dryer? Because every state is different, but in Missouri, the refrigerator is considered personal property. So things like that when the buyer and we try to prep them on these things before we get to this phase two, just so that they're aware of what to expect when it comes time to write the contract. But then there are loan contingency time frames when they want to close. There's just a lot of different deadlines that we will be in charge of, but we also want to make sure that the buyer understands them step by step through the whole process.
0: Yeah. And I think also what a lot of people don't understand is like, okay, I want to make an offer. Now what? Like, what do we do now? And I think they don't understand like, okay, so you write up the offer. It's electronic. You sign it electronically. We present agent electronically. We call them and let them know exactly what we're offering. A lot of people think that like, do I have to go to like a title company and sign for this offer? A lot of people don't know that it's all from your phone. It's super easy. And, you know, we kind of break down the process of, of what the contract looks like. So you don't have to go in, you know, afraid of what you're signing. But one thing I would say that is huge, and the reason why you need to make sure you're using somebody who's on top of the market trends is if you have an agent that's not current in the market, like let's say they haven't done a transaction in six months, they might not know that right now it's actually a buyer's market. And we've found this house that we really like, it's been sitting on the market for about 30 days, there's a negotiation possible. You know, you can maybe get a better price on it because it's been sitting there and figuring out who that seller is. That agent can call the listing agent and say, hey, what's your seller situation? Are they desperate to sell? Have they had like a death in the family? Is this like an emotional thing for them? Have they lived there for their whole life? Was it a fix and flip and they're just looking for their bottom dollar? Getting to know the other side so that you can properly negotiate is huge. And If that agent doesn't know what the market's like, they might be like, oh, let's just offer the asking price because you love the house and let's make sure you get it. Like, that's not what you want your agent to do. You want your agent to be like, okay, we're going to be a freaking ninja. This house has been sitting here for 30 days. You know, it's close to the train tracks. It's kind of loud. Let's maybe... I'll offer 25 grand less than their asking price which might be kind of a low blow but we're going to give it to them in a really sweet way and say hey we love the house but you know we're pinching every penny and we're pre-approved for this amount but we love the house and you know we'd love to get it but here's why we're offering this way and painting it in a good light, and that's what an agent does is they give you really solid information so that you can make an offer that's going to position you to be in a good financial position, but then they also are going to be like your shark on the other end doing everything they can to get that offer accepted. So it's a very strategic play, and it's your first your first chance at getting the house, and especially if you are emotionally involved in this house and you really want to get it, you want to make sure you have a shark fighting for you and, and that they know exactly how to position it. So yeah, or maybe it's a seller's market, which we can talk about that, Lindsay. Did you guys, I'm sure this last year, you guys were in such a seller's market. Maybe you can tell
1: us about that. Yeah. I mean, the market, it was crazy. It really started with COVID the last couple of years, 2020, 21, and even this year. And still, it's it depends on the neighborhood. I mean, last night we wrote a contract and it had two offers and we had to have an escalation. And we pulled inspections, So, I mean, it really does depend on the house. So, and I know like every city is different, obviously, and every neighborhood in St. Louis is different. But what I tell people, price and condition are still two of most important things that are determining whether a house is going to sell, you know, if it's fully remodeled and everything is gorgeous, you know, quartz and it's priced right. it's still going to get multiple offers even in the market that we're in now. But anything that's overpriced or has been sitting on the market, there's definitely an opportunity there to negotiate, like you said, and come in under asking. And that's where the agent comes in because we have that experience and the knowledge to understand, okay, this house, it's brand new, it's priced right, it's totally updated. They've had 30 showings this weekend. It's going to sell over asking. But One thing that is really important, we have so many good relationships with agents in St. Louis because I've been doing this for 20 years. So always, no matter how long the house has been on the market or what listing it is, talk to the listing agent first when my client finds a house that they like and just find out what kind of activity have you had? Have you had any offers? Why is the seller moving? What's their motivation? What closing date do they want? Because if you can give the seller a lot of things that they want, even if the price isn't necessarily as high as they were hoping for, but you are totally flexible on things like we'll give you a lease back. If your client is a first-time home buyer and they don't have to be in right away, if they're living at home or they're renting month to month, they can close anytime. That is really, really important to a lot of sellers. So I think kind of being strategic, how you make your offer and doesn't always have to be the highest. It just has to be the strongest. So true. Love that. That's so important.
0: So let's say we do, you know, make a very strong offer and your offer gets accepted. Now you're officially what we call under contract. A lot of people would say you're pending. If you see something on Zillow or Redfin and it says under contract, not showing, it means that they've accepted an offer. So there's so much, and we're going to try and keep this all under one episode, but let's just give people a quick snapshot of what happens after you go under contract all the way to closing. We won't get into inspections today. We won't get into the appraisal. Those will be future episodes, but for people that are just starting off, let's just give them kind of like an overview of what that looks like.
1: Yeah, so once the contract is accepted… The earnest money is the first thing. And we didn't really touch on that, but earnest money in Missouri, it's usually about 1% of the purchase price. So if you your contract gets accepted for 200000 you will either write a check, which most people don't do checks anymore. We have electronic funds that we transfer directly from your bank account. So as soon as your contract gets accepted, the realtor will send you a link, you'll deposit that $2,000, and that gets credited back to you at closing. So a lot of people are worried that they're gonna lose that money, but that you can use that towards your down payment or closing costs. So that is step number one, and then the realtor sends your paperwork to your lender because they're going to have a whole process that they're going to work through with you to start moving on your loan. And then the realtor sends everything to the title company, and the title company will start working on title insurance and getting everything clear to close. And within our contracts, normally 10 days, we'll order inspections and get that process moving. And then from there, we work on with the lender to make sure that you reach your loan commitment date, which is normally about three weeks after the contract is accepted, and then work with the title company if you want to order a survey, which it tells you easements or encroachments on the property, and then we work with them also to clear title on the property. And then scheduling like final walkthroughs. If there's contractors or anything that you need to come, we work with the other agent and the seller to make sure that they're okay with, you know, bringing family through. I know it's an exciting time, especially for first time home buyers, and they want to get their family or friends in to see it. And then scheduling the closing.
0: Yeah, and I feel like for a lot of people, they're like, okay, that went over my head. Like, what is a final walkthrough? Like, what is that? The time between going under contract and closing, there's so much that needs to happen because it's like passing off a car that you've, you know, been driving for a long time. You you got to check under the hood. You got to make sure that the tires are new and you want to make sure that what you're buying is worth it. And so that's that inspection process. And then the appraisal contingency is making sure that it's worth what I'm paying. I'm paying $200,000 for this car. They're going to make sure, yes, it is worth $200,000. We're going to give you the loan to buy this car or whatever. And then those people, they're going to take everything out of their car. They're going to take all of their weird... Hanging scented Christmas trees. They're going to get everything out of the trunk. And then the final walkthrough is like your last test drive before you take it off the lot and making sure that everything looks the same. It smells good. You know, there's no surprises once they've taken everything out. There's no weird scratches or weird noises happening. And we're here to guide people through the process. That's why realtors exist because a lot of times stuff does come up and we're like, oh my gosh. They haven't changed the oil on this car in twenty years, or they haven't replaced the roof, and there's water coming in through the crawl or through the mudroom, and that's going to be a very expensive fix. There's a lot of stuff you just don't know before you go under contract, and so once you're under contract, there's a lot of due diligence and a lot of protection for you as a buyer to make sure that what you're buying is worth it, that you feel comfortable with the purchase, and making sure that when you are signing on the closing documents that you feel confident that you made the right choice and you know you know what you're buying. So that's kind of the process. And a lot of people, you know, from when, from when they start looking at a house to when they're actually closing on it, sometimes that can take six months. And if you're buying new construction, it could take a year. For other people, if they're buying something that no one has to move out of, you can close as quickly as 30 days. What's typical for you, Lindsay, like once you kind of get somebody pre-approved, like what's pretty typical in St. Louis as far as timing goes from start to finish?
1: Yeah, for first-time homebuyers, I would say typically 30 days. 45, 60 is kind of like on the longer side. There are situations where people, the seller wants a longer time frame and the buyer is totally fine with it. So we'll do like a 90 day, but I would say typically 30 is the, the most common. When people pay cash, we had one, the one last night was cash and they're closing in two weeks. So that's doable too. You just have to give yourself enough time to get through inspections and title and all the processing paperwork and everything to make sure everything is clear. But for the buyer to feel comfortable, I think that 30-day window is just kind of a a good solid number to prepare yourself for.
0: Okay. So now that we've purchased our home and we've closed on it, we're definitely going to have more episodes of how to make your house make money for you and renovations and things you can do to help your house appreciate. But we're running out of time. So Lindsay, I'm going to ask you one last question, which is the question I ask all of our co-hosts on our episodes. And what is one piece of advice that you wish that you would have received or that you would want to give to somebody who is thinking about buying a house? Like what's one thing you wish you would have known before going into it?
1: I think, I think the best piece of advice for, especially like for me, myself was to start as young as you can, as early as you can. So when I, that was actually the best advice that I got when And just being in the business, I think, helped too. But when I graduated from college, I lived at home for a month and then bought my first house. So... I was very young, but I used all the. them. I was a saver. So I saved all my money that I sold houses in real estate, and I had enough for 20% down. Not saying you have to have 20% down, but yeah, I bought my first house when I right after I graduated from college and lived there for a couple years, turned and bought another one, and just slowly built wealth through homeownership. And I think that is just... You know it's the American dream to own houses and I think that's the best piece of advice that we could give young people is to save your money and invest in you know a variety of things but homes are the number one appreciating largest investment so I believe in building wealth through real estate and just over the years you know I don't buy Louis Vuitton purses and Gucci belts I buy houses (laughs) I have um, the house that I bought after I graduated from college And slowly, you know, sold, bought another one, sold that, bought another one. And then my husband and I have two investment properties that we own and have rented them out. We actually rent them to college students, but, um, you know, they pay for themselves and they're both cash flow positive. So building wealth through real estate is something that I'm very passionate about. And, you know, personally, um, believe in it and do it myself, too. Amazing!
0: I love that. I've never personally bought like Gucci or Louis Vuitton, but I've always been a, a saver and a penny pincher. But I love that analogy because that just shows you how smart you you have been with your finances. And um, a lot of people think like, "Oh, I just want the lifestyle, but I don't want to, you know, think about my retirement or you know, I want to I want to do something that satisfies me right now." And you have to think long term. Yes, you do 100%. And then maybe when you've got a couple investment properties paying for your mortgage and paying for your vacation, then you can go ahead and buy a Louis Vuitton. Then buy
1: the fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. My husband's a financial advisor. So he's all about planning and, you know, using wealth in different ways or building wealth in different ways, I should say.
0: Yeah, that's exactly why we created this podcast. And I. I tell my kids, I'm like, the second you turn 18, let's get you pre-approved or let's start that process because it will set you up. And your first house does not have to be your dream house, but it's going to be a vehicle to eventually get you to your dream house and be the best use of your money and your savings. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I had so much fun getting to know you a little bit more and talking all about this. And you obviously are such an expert. And if any of you listening are in the St. Louis area, definitely reach out to Lindsay Jacobs. Her and her team, they are absolutely incredible. They are some of the best realtors in all of St. Louis, and I know that they would love to help you or anyone you know that's looking to buy or sell in St. Louis. And definitely keep your eye out for Lindsay's upcoming How to Buy a House classes. She's gonna be teaching our How to Buy a House class all over St. Louis. So you can definitely follow her on Instagram and stay tuned for all of her upcoming events in person. Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And I was just gonna say our Instagram handle, in case people want to follow us, is Show and Sell STL. Love that. Show and sell STL. Amazing. All right, Lindsay. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thanks
0: for having me. Of course. Bye. stay tuned for more episodes from the how to buy a house class you can follow us on instagram we're at the how to buy a house class you can also email us yes we still use email and we would love to connect to you that way as well you can reach us directly at hello at how and i also would love to connect with you my instagram handle is at Jess Lou randolph and we hope you have a fabulous day thanks for listening and god bless you